What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where you get all of our new content, whether it's a podcast, article, news and notes, polls, every bit of baseball content you guys can check out at EthosFantasyBB and more specifically, SportsEthos.com. If you guys are not someone who uses social media, you prefer to go through a website as opposed to a social media platform, understandable, go to SportsEthos.com. We have a ton of content that will be dropping over there on the baseball side in the coming weeks, starting tomorrow we have a roundtable article that will be coming out with a ton of different people in the fantasy world. I'm not going to give away who it is yet. we got a lot of fun people involved in it, and we're going to be talking about the hardest players to rank. We're going to talk, and uh, the way I did it was I got everybody to send in one player, one position player, and one pitcher that was the hardest for them to rank this year. I've got six different people from the fantasy community who will be contributing to it. That one will be on the site tomorrow. We'll share it across social media, and then we're going to really start to ramp up our written stuff uh, to finish off January and to start off February there's going to be a lot of written content to go along with a lot of audio and visual content. So that's another place you guys can be checking out is Sports Ethos on YouTube. I've done a lot of live shows there recently. Our ADP battles, our mock drafts, our team previews, those are all going on YouTube. If you prefer to consume the podcast in that way, please do go check us out over there. Now today, we are going to talk about some of these different ADPs across some different websites. If you follow me over on social, you've seen me tweeting it out the last few days that there are some rather interesting prices across the different platforms. Uh, NFBC has been open for uh, forever. I don't think they've really closed, technically. You can draft there before 2023 even ended. There were drafts going on for 2024. So we've had ADP data from the NFBC for, what is it, four months now we've been going through this. But now we have Yahoo, we have CBS, and we have a couple other places that are starting to open up. ESPN, I don't believe, is fully open yet. There's no ADP data available on their app or their website. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the differences, especially for certain players. We're going to narrow it down to five key players where there are massive differences in their ADP between Yahoo, CBS, and the NFBC. Now, a lot of you guys are just starting your process now, and I've seen it recently with the way that episodes are being downloaded. The other day, there was a ton of people that were going back and downloading some of the position previews and slash review, preview, whatever you want to call it. And it's like, okay, people are starting to really dig into their prep right now. So these are either football people who are just, you know, the NFL season's coming to an end and now they're starting to switch back to baseball. Or these are maybe people who are into basketball or another sport. Or, or maybe they just were saying and they took a couple of months off of baseball like most normal people do. In any event, their process is starting now. So you might see some mistakes on these platforms that are just opening up now, the Yahoo's and the CBS's of the world that you normally wouldn't be seeing on the NFBC just because the people who've been drafting there have been going through their process already since probably before last season even ended. So you'll see some weird ADPs, and it's like, why is that player going so low? Well, I don't think that the average drafter on Yahoo has really had a long process-driven offseason where they've made their notes and they've done their podcasts and et cetera, et cetera. This is not the shit on Yahoo players. I play in a lot of Yahoo leagues. They are the first place that I ever played fantasy. They're always going to be the predominant source of content for this podcast during the season. It's always going to be talking in terms of Yahoo roster percentages, um, Yahoo player trends, things like that. I always will default to Yahoo because I think it's a very good system. It's a very good user interface, and, and I'm just very used to it. That being said, the average Yahoo player, especially right now in the middle of January, 
is not drafting with a fully formed opinion. For the most part, I'm saying the average drafter. You might be listening saying, screw you, Joe. I play on Yahoo, and I've been working through mock drafts, and I've been starting my process in October, and how dare you? And I don't mean to insult anybody, but generally speaking, the NFBC is a higher dollar amount to enter into these leagues. People generally put more effort into it, and that's just the way it works. And therefore, the ADP is a little bit more refined over there. It is, of course, going to vary a little bit if you're talking two catcher leagues versus one catcher leagues, 15 team leagues versus 10, five outfielders versus three. There are going to be differences. But I think a lot of these major differences right now are simply because people haven't really had their full offseason worth of you know, processing ranks and analyzing, analyzing different articles and different player boards, projections. I think a lot of people are just starting that process now. So if you are one of the people who is going to hop into a Yahoo draft next week, your home league starts early, you guys are drafting first week of February, or maybe you're starting right now. You're literally setting ADP for people if you are getting into one of these real drafts right now. You can really take advantage of it. And we're going to talk about it from that perspective. The other perspective is to follow along with the trends that you're seeing. Well, player A was 94 last week. He's 86 this week and 73 next week. It's like, okay, well, if I want to get in on this player, I should probably get in now before it gets too expensive, et cetera, et cetera. You don't have to be drafting now for this kind of information to be useful to you. You can file it away for later and say, this guy's trending up, this guy's trending down. I don't need to invest in him in the third. I can get him in the fourth and that kind of thing for you guys to really, if you are starting your process now, have informed opinions on these players. So we're going to talk about five different players that have very, very different ADPs if you look at the various different sites. And we're going to start off with Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper on the NFBC, for a lot of the drafts you're seeing, it really depends, of course, on the specific room. A lot of the time, he's a first-round pick. 16.7 is his ADP, and of course, those are mostly 15-team drafts. So if you're going 14th, you have a first-round ADP. Generally speaking, there are some 12-team drafts on the NFBC, but I'm using 15-team as the standard there. He's generally going in the first round. The latest we've seen him go, and I've narrowed the filters down to just look at January drafts now because what people were doing on the NFBC in November is not really important anymore. There's new information. People are farther along in their process. This is what we're looking at. We're looking at about 20 drafts. Bryce Harper goes between 13 and 21 on average. That's probably correct. Bryce Harper should be going somewhere at the end of the first, beginning of the second round. I'm not 100% sold in that he is going to be the the best version we've ever seen of Harper. I think that there may be some struggles with the power. I don't really expect it. The second half last year was really excellent, and I think he could probably still be like a 30-ish home run guy. I just don't think he's going to be like a 40-plus home run guy. That's really the only kind of complaint I can make about him is that I don't know if the power is fully, fully back 100%. I think it's mostly back, but it's a little bit of a risky investment from that perspective. Everything else, the batting average is great. He steals bases. He's in a great lineup. Everything else is really great. He should be going at the end of the first round. But if you look at Yahoo, now he is going 22. And it's, again, very early on. These are going to move around. But Yahoo right now, Bryce Harper is going pick 22 on average. And you're going to say, okay. 22, it's not that big of a difference. It actually is kind of a big difference there. You're talking, if it's any kind of difference of between three or four picks within the first two rounds, I consider that to be kind of significant. If it's between pick 200 and 203 variation on different websites, that's not so significant. But Bryce Harper, that six-pick difference will lead you to get him in the first round versus the second round. If you're playing on Yahoo right now, that 22 ADP, you are definitely getting Bryce Harper in the second. You might even get him in the third. 22, a lot of people play in 12-team leagues. If he falls to 25, that's a third-round pick right there. 
So there is the big variance. And if you want to be taking advantage of somebody like a Bryce Harper, you do it now. Because Yahoo drafters, as much as they are behind right now, I don't think they will be for the duration of the offseason. And you will start to see certain players that are going ahead of Bryce Harper fall behind him most likely. Marcus Simeon will probably fall behind him. Raphael Devers is kind of a toss-up, but I feel like Devers will probably end up going behind Harper as well. Corey Seager, who doesn't steal bases, I think should probably go behind Harper. You may end up seeing Jordan Alvarez as well. There's a couple of names that are ahead of him that he's likely to jump ahead of. So if you are drafting right now, Bryce Harper is an amazing investment. At the end of the second, beginning of the third, he should be going in the first round. Now, if you're talking CBS, where there, I tweeted it out yesterday, and there was a ton of responses, people saying, are you sure, are you sure, is this right, this looks like it hasn't been updated. As far as I know, and I could be wrong, I'm not infallible, I'm very far from it, it looks correct. There are certain things that we see, and people were saying, this is last year's ADP, there's no way this is from this year. But you have guys like Ellie Dela Cruz, who are still going fairly high up, you have Nolan Jones in the top 40, this is this year's ADP. It might not look perfect. It definitely doesn't look perfect, but this is what we've seen from early drafts from this year. Evan Carter is going in the top 100 picks. Cole Reagans. Those are not old numbers being recycled. These are new drafts people are doing where they're taking Cole Reagans in the top 70 picks, where they're taking all kinds of different kind of interesting picks. Yoshinobu Yamamoto is going at pick 28 on CBS. So just to clear that one up, Yes, these are this year's numbers. This is not last year's numbers being regurgitated. You guys gave me a scare when you said that at first, and I thought, oh, shit, did I, did I mess up here? But no, these are legitimate numbers from this season. Bryce Harper on CBS right now has an ADP of 73. Can I explain it? No. Does it make any sense? No. It's just the way that their boards are looking like based on what we have right now. And I honestly, when it comes to CBS, I have no clue why the ADP looks like this. Are they mixing in some points leagues in different formats? Probably. But is that going to mean that Bryce Harper falls 60 picks? No. Uh, does that mean that Chris Bassett should have a higher, a higher ADP than Spencer Strider? <laughs> Likely not. Um, you know, there are certain things that are going on right now on CBS that don't make any sense at all. Now, if you can go into a CBS league right now and you can play, I'm, I'm in a position in Ontario, in Toronto. I'm in Toronto where... I can't play fantasy for money, really. Uh, I can do it on the NFBC because there was a loophole where I was able to get signed up by somebody who works at the NFBC, signed me up personally, and it was some kind of loophole. Don't ask me to explain it. I don't know how it works, but I can't play cash leagues here anymore because they're not legal here anymore. So I'm not sure if you're able to do that yet on these different sites, but if you are, please do it now. Please hop into these uh, cash leagues right now because... These ADPs are going to change. A lot of people will be, you know, people who might have a little bit more money or they just don't care. Or they want to do a league to prep. They might just say, okay, let's jump into a league right now. If you would jump into a league right now on CBS, you can get, like I said, Harper in the 70s. You can get uh, Bobby Witt and Julio Rodriguez at the end of the first round. Spencer Strider's going in the 30s right now. There are some wacky prices. So, I wouldn't read so much into the CBS board right now as of, oh, well, these are where we have to make our first data points and the trends will move. Like, yes, kind of. You can take a data point from this. But also, it's just so wacky that I would just recommend not reading too much into it and honestly just hopping into a draft and using literally anybody in the fantasy world's ranking. If you're not comfortable right now with where you are, you say, Joe, I hear you. You want to hop into it. You want me to hop into a draft. But I just am not ready yet. I'm not there in my process. I haven't listened to enough podcasts, read enough articles. 
Use literally anybody's default rankings, whether it's the CBS guys. Frank, Scott, and Chris have their rankings on the site. You can use them when you're drafting. If you want to download, like, Vlad Sedler's rankings from FTN, um, literally, like, I can anybody, literally any reputable source in the fantasy community, we might not all be geniuses, but we generally know what we're talking about. Go and upload those rankings and draft a team on CBS right now because I can almost guarantee you, you are going to come out profitable on almost all your picks based on where they're going now versus where they're going to be going in March. Bryce Harper in the 70s is just one of those examples. He's not going to be going in the 70s. If you want him there, you have like a two-week window probably, probably not even that long where you're able to do that. It's going to change, and it's changed since yesterday. When I tweeted it out, Corbin Carroll yesterday was going in the 60s. Today he's going 49. So it's going to start to change, and there are going to be a lot of those examples. They won't all be so drastic, but essentially, you know, the point I'm going to make with Harper and with everybody here is hop into a draft right now and see what kind of value you can find because they should not be going this late on a lot of these different platforms. That's the main thing today is that on these platforms that are just opening up, there's a lot of value. There's also a lot of stupid picks. People are pushing up players that they shouldn't be, but we're going to mix that in. Uh, we're going to talk about that all together. Let's move on to the next player. Let's talk about Ellie Dela Cruz, who I mentioned earlier. His NFBC ADP been a huge topic of discussion throughout the offseason. 22 right now. And, you know, I mentioned Vlad Sedler a minute ago. He tweeted out the other day that it hasn't really moved around at all. His ADP was like 20, 21, and now it's like 22, 23. That's no move. That's essentially no move. Despite the fact that people are kind of worried about Ellie and, well, Maybe he goes to the minors. Maybe the strikeouts are just obscenely too much where they can't play him. People have still been drafting him in the second round. And another aspect of the NFBC that I didn't mention off the top is that a lot of these tournaments have overall components. You're in a, And those are only really for Roto Leagues. Not only really. They are only for Roto Leagues. If you play in a 15-team, let's call it one of those draft champion formats, you're playing against the 14 other people in your league, but you're also playing against everybody else who is in the draft champions format as well. They calculate roto points based on the, everybody in the tournament altogether. And a player like Ellie Dela Cruz does have the ability to kind of just break that kind of format. You know, he can give you like 30 homers, 25, 30 homers, and like 70 steals is realistic. It's probably not, you know, you, maybe not realistic, but honestly, he had like 40, 38 steals or whatever it was in less than 100 games last year. He could steal 65-70. No one be shocked. Great lineup around him. Great ballpark. So people, I think, have been kind of viewing him through an overall lens and saying, if I want to shot at the overall, I need to take a chance on L.A. Dela Cruz in the second round. People who play on Yahoo and CBS don't give a shit about the overalls because those are not something that, like, most of you guys listening probably are thinking, Joe, what are you talking about overalls? I don't care about overalls. And honestly, you shouldn't. If you're playing on Yahoo, if you're playing on CBS, wherever, you don't need to care about that. Those are just things that will artificially inflate the prices of players like Ellie Dela Cruz to the point where he's a second-round pick, and everybody's kind of like, oh, I don't want him in the second round, but I want some Ellie Dela Cruz shares, so I guess I'll take him once or twice here or there. That's where these other platforms come in. CBS, Ellie Dela Cruz's ADP is 45. Yahoo, it's 53. I've been at the point the whole offseason where I'm saying fade him. I don't want him in the second round. I don't care what it looks like. There are so many safer options around him, whether it's a Lindor, an Albies, a Simeon, Riley, Devers, you name it. There's like 10, 15 better options just in the second round. I can't get a, behind taking Ellie De La Cruz at 20, 22, 23, sometimes as high as a first-round ADP. Not an ADP, but a first-round uh, price sometimes. It doesn't happen often, but it has happened. Now you have a chance to actually get yourself some Ellie De La Cruz shares, hop in on the train, and it's not going to cost you a second-round pick. It's going to cost you, depending on your format, between a fourth and a sixth-round pick, potentially. Yahoo, it's 53, the ADP. You're playing a 10-team league, which is fairly common. 
you may get Ellie at the beginning of the sixth round. Let's call it even the fifth round. You can absolutely take that chance, especially in that kind of a shallower format. It's just a perfect situation to take a chance on Ellie De La Cruz. He doesn't pan out. It's okay because you have four guys ahead of him that you've already drafted, probably two or three hitters, where the base of your offense is already very solidified. You take him in an NFBC league in the second round, he might be your first player. You maybe went Strider De La Cruz, or you maybe went Cole De La Cruz. Maybe you probably took a position player, and he's probably your second guy. But in that case, whether it's your second position player or your first, you don't have a lot of room for error. He has to pan out. He has to be on the team the whole year. He has to be 140, 150 games of dominance. For this current Yahoo CBS ADP of 45 to 50 range, he still has to be very good. But you have a lot larger margin for error where he doesn't have to be a first or second rounder. He can be the 30th overall player, 40th overall player, and you'd still be getting a great return on your investment. So I'm changing my tune a little bit on Ellie, and the next guy we'll talk about as well, just because the price is so much better. If you're not paying that second or third round price, and sometimes even first, then I will take a chance on him. I don't want to have my entire team tied down to Ellie De La Cruz, and then if he is a second-round pick and he gets sent down, you're just screwed. No, you're not putting all the eggs in that basket. You're putting some of them. And in the round where he's going right now on Yahoo, it might move up a little bit. Generally, though, he will go later on these other formats than he did on the NFBC, and that's where you take advantage. You don't take him in the second round of your NFBC league because, personally, I just think it's a stupid investment. If you're going to play in a bunch of leagues then it makes sense once or twice. You know, If you're playing in a single-shot league, you're playing one fantasy league this year, you take Ellie De La Cruz in the second round, you're asking for trouble. You're, you're asking for trouble. If you've already done three, four drafts and one of them features Ellie in the second round, I don't have any problem with it. You know, He's a fun player. He's really super exciting. I dropped a shitload of fab on him last year, and it was maybe not worth it, but it was also fun to follow along with Ellie and see him have games where it's, oh, he had a home run, he drove in three today, and he stole two bases. Those are the kinds of stat lines you'll get, and there is a fun element to fantasy where you just want to cheer for fun players. Ellie is one of those guys, but now you can do it, and it's not going to set you back so much in terms of your draft capital. So I'm definitely taking him. If he's still sitting there in my home league Yahoo draft come March, if he's sitting there in the 40s or 50s, you best believe I'm going to take Ellie De La Cruz. The next guy is a very similar situation, and it's honestly a lot of the same arguments that I just made for Ellie you can make for this guy. That's Royce Lewis. Now, the concerns are more so injury-based than they are performance. Ellie has the kind of concern of, and again, I don't think it's likely, but if the bottom falls out from under him this year, he may spend time in AAA. I don't see that happening with Royce Lewis. It's enough at this point of Royce Lewis. He's been in the minor league since 2017. He's only played 70 major league games. We had 12 of them in 2022, and we had 58 of them this year. He's had just a crazy injury history where he has never really been able to give you a full season worth of production. But in the 58 games we saw from Royce Lewis this year, he gave you 15 homers, 6 steals, and a 309 average. You want to roughly extrapolate that. You can double it. Maybe you can honestly even triple it for 58 games. It's a little bit more than a full season's worth, but you're generally looking at like close to a 40 home run pace with like 20 steals and over a 300 batting average, a 155 WRC+. He's a two-and-a-half win player, according to Fangraphs, by war in just those 58 games. He's a special player. He's an absolutely special player. It's just a matter of taking that risk for a guy where there's a lot of injury problems. There's a lot of injury history. And I'm going to go and search through my tweets real quick because I tweeted something about Royce Lewis at the beginning of draft season, and it was where his price was. It was nuts. It was 28 So this is something I tweeted on October the 27th. He was going at an ADP of 28. He was ahead of Lindor, Semyon, and Altuve. 
NFBC drafters, excuse the voice crack there, NFBC drafters kind of collected themselves, and now his ADP is 55. People kind of realize, okay, taking him in the second round is kind of stupid. It's the same thing with Ellie De La Cruz. Like, maybe it works out, but why would I pass up Francisco Lindor or Austin Riley or anybody in that second round range for the unknown of Royce Lewis? It didn't make sense then. It made a little bit more sense at 55, and you can say, okay, now that it's the fifth round, fourth round, fifth round kind of range, I can take more of a chance because I have a solid base, and it's probably not wise if you took somebody who's a little bit riskier in the first couple rounds. If you took players who are like Marcus Semi and somebody were, or Freddie Freeman types where they're very durable, they're playing a lot, then you can take a chance on a Royce Lewis. I wouldn't take Royce Lewis to go along with Ellie De La Cruz and Mike Trout and a bunch of guys where you're kind of not 100% sure of. But in the right build, at pick 55, Royce Lewis started to make more sense than he was at 28. 28 is ridiculous, to be honest with you. It's just, it's just too expensive. But now we have Yahoo and CBS open and Royce Lewis going 92 and 96 respectively. 92 on CBS, 96 on Yahoo. Take a chance on him at that point. And especially you're talking a 12-team league, right? That's where most of you guys are probably going to be playing. It's 12-team leagues. Pick 96, I mean, at that point, you're getting him 8th, ninth round, Royce Lewis. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. If it does work out, then you might be locking into the next big stud, and his projections are amazing. You know, we have ATC projections out today. We'll talk about those tomorrow. But Steamer, ATC, they're all kind of in the same range of 28 homers, 13 steals, and a 270 batting average. Steamer's got him for a 275. Or excuse me, ATC has him for 275. I think that you take a chance close to pick 100. If that does pan out, and you know that's kind of a conservative games play projection to 130, it's conservative and it's not, right? I mean, considering what we know from Royce Lewis, it could be viewed in, in either lens. But, I mean, if he's healthy, he's going to play more than 130, right? If you're banking on him being healthy, it's just a matter of, well, is he healthy the whole season? Is he going to get hurt at some point? Whatever. 130 games make sense as a projection because you kind of have to be a little bit more conservative. But, I mean... If he is healthy the whole year, Royce Lewis gives you 150 games. You're getting a 30 and 15 with like a 280 batting average potentially. I believe he'll be eligible at third and short. I think that'll depend on your format actually. Mostly just third, but there may be some places where he's able to keep short. In any event, at pick 100, there's nothing that can really go that wrong at pick 100. You've got a base of seven players on your team, eight players already. Let's call it like five position players, three pitchers. If Royce Lewis doesn't work out as your sixth bat, he doesn't work out. If he does work out at that point, then I think that's, you know, he's potentially one of the best picks of the year. And he'll probably move around a little bit, but I think Yahoo drafters are not going to push up Royce Lewis and Ellie De La Cruz to the same extent that NFBC drafters did. They're not going to be viewing that overall lens. They're, not, they're just going to be looking at their league. And Royce Lewis at 96, let's say even say he goes up to 80, 85. It's hard for him to, to really hurt you in that range. Like, could he hurt you in the 28 through 50 range? Oh, absolutely he could. But if you're talking about in the 90s, I just don't really have that much of a problem with it, you know? The upside is so high across all five categories in a decent enough lineup where I'll take that chance. If he's still going, you know, where he's going in the NFBC, then I'll have zero NFBC shares. But I think once he starts to get into like the 60 to 80 range for Royce Lewis, you can start to take that chance. And I'm just so glad that the NFBC drafters, and I'm, I'm part of that group, I've drafted five teams already, are starting to move him down the leaderboard, or the leaderboards, the ADP boards, because he wasn't worthy of a second-round pick. Now, you could argue he's probably worthy of something higher than an eighth-round pick. 
and he probably is, but take advantage while you can. It's not going to be like that forever, but you can take advantage now. And again, you don't have to play all your leagues now, but even if you just want to do one league right now and say, okay, I'll take advantage of some of these depressed prices and I will get myself a Royce Lewis share. I'll get myself an Ellie De La Cruz share. And then I won't have to worry about paying up massively in March. Let's move on and talk about Manny Machado. Manny Machado was an interesting one, and I mentioned him a couple times over on Twitter, and people gave me some pushback saying, well, Manny Machado, I mean, and this is when I tweeted out the Yahoo, uh, I believe is when I tweeted out the Yahoo ones. I've tweeted out a bunch of different stuff um, about ADP, and I'm just going to double check here. Machado was in my overvalued Yahoo pre-draft tweet. And that is where his ranking was at 53 on the Yahoo pre-rank. Now he's at 59. His NFBC ADP was 71. So it's not that much of a difference there. You're talking 12 picks. But then if you factor in CBS, he's at 36 right now. So there's kind of a big range there between 36 and 71. You're doubling it, right? You're talking about a third or maybe a fourth round pick to like a fifth or a sixth round pick, Manny Machado. It does make a big difference to me. And there's a few factors with Manny Machado that are going to lead me to fade him kind of whatever the price is. But this is kind of a reversal where if you want him, get him on the NFBC. Because Yahoo and CBS players, again, this goes back to what I said earlier. They haven't really started their process, or maybe they have, but they're not nearly as far along in their process as most of us are. Manny Machado is still a Manny Machado. His name is still carries quite a lot of weight in the world of baseball, fantasy or otherwise. He's a year removed from being an MVP finalist in 2022. So people who are hopping in right now, and maybe they're just getting their feet wet with some mock drafts, they see, okay, he had 30 home runs last year. He still had 91 ribbies. He batted 258. It was still Manny Machado, but it wasn't quite Manny Machado all season long. There was quite a while where we were talking about Manny Machado as a bust last year, and it was actually not until July where you thought that things actually turned around. Even then, the first half, second half splits were not great. 15 homers in each half is fine, but 261 and 254, he only stole three bases all year. It was not a great year for Machado. And I don't think the average fantasy player has realized that yet, and they're still taking him in the third or fourth round because he's Manny Machado. He's been a fantasy stud now since, what, 2014, 2015? And people, without really doing their homework, are still taking him in the third round. That's another opportunity for value because people take him high up, sure, that just pushes other players down a spot, whether it's a round, whether it's you know half a dozen picks, whatever it is. People pushing up Machado on these sites like Yahoo!, and CBS are going to be disappointed because they haven't done their homework. And I don't mean to sound like I'm talking down to people. I'm really not trying to, and I can understand how it would come across that way. But Manny Machado going in the 70s was already kind of a high level for me on the NFBC. Now in the 30s and the 50s, I mean, it's just there's no chance of it. The team got worse around him. You know, you can argue, well, Tatis is going to probably get better. Yeah, Tatis will probably improve slightly over what we saw last year, another year removed from the injury. But they've lost Juan Friggin Soto from the lineup. Sander Bogarts is getting older. They're not really that impressive of an offense. They are the definition. If you are like a, an auction player, a salary cap type of player, they're like a stars and scrubs type of build. Tatis, Machado, Bogarts, to go along with Matthew Batten, Cal Mitchell, Jose Azokar, um, you know, it's really a shitty bottom of the order. I don't know that Manny Machado is going to have a hell of a lot of run and RBI opportunities. I don't know that the power is going to stay to the same extent into his 30s. There are definitely some worries here. If you want third baseman, you don't need to be paying up like this for Manny Machado. There's just, there's just no need for it. And people generally, again, 
are just kind of getting into their processes and they're not realizing that Machado is a terrible investment at that price. They have him right now on CBS going ahead of Arenado. He's going ahead of Steer, Royce Lewis, Gunnar Henderson. I just realized this one because I'm still, this is all kind of, you know, coming together for me as well. These are all new over the weekend. Gunnar Henderson's going at pick 127. Now, I'm not a huge Gunnar Henderson guy this year, but that's mostly because he's going in the second round, which is what we've essentially done now with Machado. He's going in the 30s. We're not second round yet. We're getting there, though. I mean, if you can take Gunnar Henderson 100 picks later than Machado, their skill sets are not that different. You're talking about roughly a 30 and 10 guy with a 250 to 270 kind of batting average. Better lineup probably at this point for Henderson is close, but... Why would why on earth would you take Manny Machado there if you could take Gunnar Henderson where he's going? And Gunnar Henderson, don't expect him to continue to going in the 120s. Josh Young at 109 is another amazing example of like, why is this guy going so late? Why is he going so much later than Machado? You can keep going down and down and you'll find guys who are more boring types, but Cabrian Hayes, Jake Berger, Alec Bohm, Ryan McMahon. Why would you take Machado so high up when you can get fairly similar value from most of those other names there? I know I'm going to come off like a hater, and I'm not a huge Machado guy to begin with, but just seeing his price shoot up higher than it already was all of draft season is kind of ridiculous to me. I was already out in the 70s, so you know where I am in the 30s to 50 range. I just can't see Machado having any value there, and I don't see him moving around too, too much either. Like, he'll probably on Yahoo go in the 50s or 60s because, again, he's Manny Machado, but I just think it's going to be kind of an unwise investment. The last one we'll talk about is Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole has kind of a massive difference as well, and I talked about how those differences are even more magnified when they are in the early round or two. So CBS, let's start with what we've known. What we've known so far is Garrett Cole on the NFBC is generally going at pick 12. And it does vary, of course, in the first round, but he's been a first rounder in almost every draft of the year. Nine through 17 is his range for just 2024 drafts. And if you're looking at all of draft season, the highest pick that anybody used on Garrett Cole was pick 23. This came on, when was this? This was January 2nd, and this was in a Gladiator draft. This was not in a draft champions. Gladiator is a little bit different. In any event, the common range for Garrett Cole to be going is the back end of the first round. He's generally going from about 9 to 15. Now we have Yahoo open and CBS open, and Yahoo, they've gone different ways with this. Yahoo has him at 22 on their ADP number. At that point, I mean, yeah, I'll take a chance on him at 22. There's no real, I mean, I don't love it. Don't get me wrong. I don't love it because I'm not generally a Garrett Cole guy, but you're getting him around later than you probably should be getting him. I'm I'm going to be taking him more often there than I am on the NFBC. Again, I'm more of a Gosman, Strider, Luis Castillo type, but again, if you're getting Garrett Cole in the end of the second, beginning of the third round, when he's usually a first rounder, you're getting value there just, just off the top. It doesn't even matter what happens after that. It's closing line value, and it's what, something that betters talk about all the time. I'm not a big, massive better, but generally speaking, if a guy's a first-round pick and you're getting him in the second or third, that's a win. And it doesn't really matter what happens after that. You have that asset that is a first-round asset. Garrett Cole, you want to trade him afterwards, you want to whatever. He's still Garrett Cole in name value. And I know that what I'm saying might sound kind of stupid and it's like, well, who cares? You know, if you if you're winning, you don't the moral victories on draft, they don't really matter. But they kind of do at the same time. If you're able, and it's more so just from a moral standpoint of, well, I got him around later than ADP. 
you might be able to stockpile based on these current ADPs, like three or four players with first round ADPs. And that will set you up for success in the first half of the season specifically because, well, they're massive names. And a lot of players like, you know, like we just mentioned with Manny Machado, we still a big name. If you try to trade Manny Machado in the average dynasty league right now, it's probably still decent value. Garrett Cole right now, even though it's kind of varying between 12 and 22, you can probably still, you know, get him. Uh, I don't know. I'm thinking that that's probably about the latest he's ever going to go. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to think, like, is he ever going to fall beyond that? Probably not. So why wouldn't you take a chance there? However in or out you are on him, right now you can get him as cheap as you're ever going to find him. I don't see Garrett Cole coming off of probably his best season in Major League Baseball, winning a Cy Young Award for the first time as being somebody that's going to fall down at all beyond this. So if you are getting him end of second, beginning of third, jump on that. And if you don't like him a month from now, see if you can trade him, and you'll be able to replicate that first-round value at worst early second. There's no there's no downside, really, with selecting Garrett Cole on Yahoo right now. On CBS, on the other hand, his ADP opened up at 4.4. And you're thinking, what the hell? Garrett Cole at 4 what are we talking about here? He's going as, you know, he, the number three player by ADP, Acuna and Betts, one and two. And this, again, goes back to my point. Garrett Cole coming off of his best season. He won the Cy Young, pitching for the New York Yankees, who added Juan Soto and got better. So, therefore, Garrett Cole is going to be taken as the number one starting pitcher in a lot of leagues. And that's fine. If you want to take him as the number one pitcher, that's okay. At the end of the first, beginning of the second. But 4.4? I mean, what are we doing? What are, what are we doing here on CBS? I don't know who's taking Garrett Cole at four or five or three, because that's where it was yesterday. It was three yesterday or three point something. It's going to hopefully mercifully get back to an area where it's more reasonable, you know, 13 to 15 kind of range. But right now, you're drafting fourth or fifth in a league on CBS. Somebody might take Garrett Cole in that top four and push out a Corbin Carroll, a Julio, a Bobby Witt, somebody that you shouldn't be getting at five, you might get at five. So that's why, again, I know I'm sounding annoying. Pop into a draft. Do it. You're going to be able to take advantage of it. If you have any kind of idea what you're doing, if you've been listening to us at all here, if you've been somebody who follows fantasy podcasts in the offseason, if you read any articles, if you're informed on baseball and fantasy baseball and you hop into one of these leagues right now, I'd be stunned if you don't finish at worst in the top three just because of the value you're going to get on draft day. Is there more to a league than what happens on draft day? Of course there is. You need to be active on the waiver wire. That's where championships are truly won on the waiver wire. But you can set yourself up for massive success by taking advantage of some of these early ADPs by drafting now. And if you don't want to draft now, I don't blame you. It's still January. There's still, you know, it's negative temperatures outside. You might not be in baseball mode yet, and it's impossible to hold that against you. But just start to keep an eye on these trends. Well, right now, Royce Lewis is 96. He's, you know, 82, 84, 73 this week. Now he's in the 60s. Now I'm out. Now I don't want him anymore. I've got my shares in the 80s, whatever. On the other side of that, you can say, well, this player is trending. He was 32, and now he's 38, and now he's 46. I'm going to wait a little bit and see if I can maybe push him up to 50. You know, you can start to take advantage of those trends. It's not going to always work out, but keep yourself informed on what's going on on the different platforms that you play on. And it's going to be used to your advantage at the end of the day. It's just going to be a leg up on your competition. So I hope I was able to help out a little bit. I know sometimes my ADD brain can kind of bounce around ideas and sometimes it's not the most coherent, but I hope I was able to help you guys out a little bit today. Uh, I'd ask some help in return if you guys are able to by leaving a review rating slash review on the podcast. We've got a ton that have come in in the new year and I can't say how much I appreciate that. It's truly heartwarming to just see people listening and leaving these kind words. It helps the algorithm. It helps me. It helps everybody out 
Um, so I really do appreciate that. If you guys are subscribing to the podcast, that's also a huge help for both of us. You get the shows right in your feed every single day. You don't have to go searching for links on Twitter or YouTube or wherever. They're just right there waiting for you. So go ahead and check us out over there um, on the subscription side. It doesn't cost anything. You just click the plus button on your podcast page, and it'll be downloaded every single day. That's obviously big for us. Now, tomorrow, we are going to be talking about some projections, but we're also going to be doing some team previews this week. I'm going to see how the schedule will work out. I'll keep you guys apprised over on social media because it's always kind of moving, but that's why you go and follow at JoeOrico99, at EthosFantasyBB, and, of course, go to SportsEthos.com. Keep up with everything right from the source. I'll leave you there, though. We'll talk again tomorrow, but until then, take care and have a great night, everybody. 